Welcome to another episode of Two Woods Four Quarters, Harlequin's podcast. Or should I say for our new French fans, Bonjour and bienvenue à Two Woods Four Quarters, the podcast to Harlequin's. Your French is rubbish, even after the <laughs> So seriously, if you have got any um, French Pelier fans or any French listeners uh, joining us this week, welcome. We've had a brilliant trip in Royal City. We've got so much to talk about and we can't wait to get stuck in. Apologies in advance for the voices. I feel like we're saying this every week now, but it has been a very heavy weekend. We've landed about an hour ago. We were going to record this in Basel Airport because we went via Switzerland with the cheap flights. But we couldn't find any plugs. We couldn't find any quiet spaces. So here we are doing it now. Mike, haven't really been away from you for too long. Are you good? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sitting for what, 45 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm pretty exhausted. Hell of a weekend, wasn't it? Oh, it was so good. It was so. My ears didn't pop from the flight either, but. Um... <laughs> I've uh, I've pulled together that little TikTok from all of the sort of the best bits, thirty-seven oh. seconds of Montpellier in it. I've watched it about twenty times. It's so oh, good, so good, so, so good. good. Bringing it all back, especially when um, there's so much going on in such a short period of time. And hopefully, we'll try and unpack it all for you now. If you weren't able to make it out there, and if you were able to make it out there, you're probably back on UK soil now. So hopefully, you'll enjoy the next forty-five minutes from a nostalgia point of view as well. So I guess. We'll get stuck into the away day stories, I think. I think that's the best place to start. We we flew with EasyJet, and I think we were probably the only flight that wasn't cancelled on the way out, which was a bit of a blessing because we could have done without all of the hassle that a lot of other fans seem to have as well. I know Will Humphreys from Quinza had a bit of a, a pig of a journey, so um, fair play to everybody that overcame those challenges and, and still made it out there because... The noise in the stands from everybody was insane. And, and Montpellier fans were saying that it's the loudest they've had from away fans. So we can be very, very proud of those efforts. Talk to me about the hotel, because we've got a bit of a story there, haven't we? Yeah. Well, we obviously landed at, what was it, quarter past nine. Obviously, we're pretty itching to, you know, get stuck into a few beers. So we, um, we well, we got an Uber into the town because the bloke that was doing the bus was too worried about smoking fags and talking on the FaceTime. So didn't get a bus, got an Uber into town, got down to what we thought was where we were staying. And it was this big old sort of rusty door with no lights on. So we poked our heads into the uh, Best Western next door. The nice lady on the on the reception said, oh yes, follow me, follow me. So we went there, opened up the door and it was like walking into an old school like industrial estate yeah, yeah, it was like the back, back entrance of Tesco's with all the trolleys and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was ranked. I thought, oh, no, no. <laughs> what, what, have you, what, what have you set us up for? And then we walked upstairs and it was absolutely lovely. Everything was, was beautiful. New, beautiful little spot, nice balcony, comfy beds. Yeah, it was superb. Yeah, we got a great little apartment, didn't we? We got we got lucky with that. And right by the train station, right by the tram stop, not too far from O'Carolans, which is the next destination uh, we're going to take you on our, our little nostalgic trip of Montpellier because O'Carolans was the Irish pub that Quinns had designated as our, our home for the weekend. And we spent two nights in there. The first night was very loose and probably my favourite night because of the both, stories that came out of it. Yeah, I mean, they're both pretty loose. I absolutely loved it. It was, um, we'll get stuck into the stories. But yeah, well, we were drinking Pints to Kill Kenny, which I uh, I can't say that I've had before, but they were, they were delicious. They were going down beautifully. You said you had them in Castro as well. Yeah, and no, I do like a Kilkenny. Do you like a Kilkenny? Yeah, but um, my um, my favourite drink of the night was Jet Twenty Seven. This little minty kind of liqueur yeah. shot, which I managed to get 
the captain, the skipper, Steph Louise, to do with me. So that's probably one of my highlights in the trip, you know, yeah. just having a chat with him in the pub. And it was a perfectly normal conversation. It didn't feel like I was interviewing him. It was it was quite genuine. And we had a few shots off the back of it and ended up walking around Montpellier City Centre trying to get into a nightclub called Le Fizz, um, who didn't seem to want to take 45 rugby lads all at once. No. That was a no from them. But going back to O'Carolans, we also spent a bit of time chatting to the big dog, didn't we? Yeah, we had a chat to the big dog, um, who was enjoying his time. Um, yeah. He was Laurie on the form. Big Laurie. Um, yeah, he was he was enjoying himself, wasn't he? It was quite cool. Obviously, they they'd obviously landed, and a couple of the players had gone to the stadium. I saw some clips of Marcus and Tommy and Will Edwards all sort of doing kickings practice and getting used to the conditions. And you know, then a few of the boys came in for a drink. Plenty of the staff came in. Um, and yeah, we got properly stuck into it. I had a good chat with Laurie. Nice to have a drink with Steph as well. Obviously, there's that. I've got a quite cool photo of me sort of leaning down one side of the bar, and it's nice to see another yeah. sort of strapping. Nice to see another strapping six footer and say, "Mate, do you want to do a quick one? It's on me. It's, what, what is it? <laughs> of course, it? it's on you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what is it? What am I drinking? And I was like, "Well, it's a little bit like mouthwash, but it's got a bit more kick to it." Um, but, but, yeah, you're but you're here with the boys. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah, but you're, but you're here with the boys. You'll do as instructors. We um, um, another good story off the back of that as well. Actually, is we had a couple of shots with Musky as well. And yeah. um, he was obviously part of the travelling reserve. So he was doing the warm up the next day. And obviously Jack Walker was starting and Joe Gray was on the bench. So he he wasn't going to get any minutes. And I saw him warming up with the boys looking a little bit worse for wear. So <laughs> a touch slow. A I'm touch glad slow. he had a good trip. And I'll be honest, yeah. I think that's a really cool part of, of the club's culture. I don't know whether this is something they've always done. I know they always bring a few travelling reserves, but there were seven or eight, wasn't there? Viliami, yeah. Taulani was there. Um, I had a great chat with him. He's he's a really lovely man and he was yeah. so warm and, and and just really good to chat to. We were chatting about how he was supposed to be playing number eight for Scottish this weekend. And I said to him, what, what are you doing here? What's happened? And he said, yeah, I got a call this morning saying I need to to pack some stuff and and get over to, to Gatwick with the rest of the lads because I'm going to be a travelling reserve. So a, a bit of a whistle-stop tour for him over the weekend as well. But um, I had a really nice conversation with him. I'm a massive fan of his. And just speaking to a few other fans around the pub, um, we talked about Philly quite a lot because there was a bit of hype for him coming in. And we've seen him in bits and pieces here and there. And he's putting in man of the match performances for Scottish. And a lot of people saying that um, we've signed him as almost like a, a little bit of a project. And this was his year one of the project, acclimatising to a new league, a new city, a new country. Um, probably try and shed a bit of, of weight and, and get lean and match fit a little bit more like um, a more dynamic back row. And, and next year, I think, is when the coaches certainly think we'll see the best of him. So really excited for that because he's a brilliant bloke and I had a really nice time with him. The thing that I loved about the sort of atmosphere that we had in there, and also it was cool when the players come down, you see a few of the staff as well, but it was just nice to have people just, having a laugh like ripping in like obviously the boys that were drinking you know Laurie's been in there Steph's been in there you know they've obviously had a chat with the club you know don't ever do it but go and have a few you know enjoy yourself how often do you get weekends away in the south of France to go and have a couple of drinks with your mates so yeah it's good to see them all having a laugh all of them you know so polite really hospitable talking to everyone um and then obviously just the the group of fans out there as well just so much fun just actually being in a foreign city and talking to people that you've spent three or four months talking about, oh, you're doing one pelle, you're doing one pelle. Yeah, 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 we're all going to be there, we're going to be there. And then you actually get there and have a few drinks and have some chats. And it's fucking good fun. Oh, 100%. And a little bit of a, a humble brag here. We actually broke a thousand listeners every week this week. So 
over the last few weeks we've been, we've been breaking 1k listeners which is amazing and um we obviously had the opportunity to meet lots of people we haven't actually met before um who've been messaging us on twitter and instagram and some loyal listeners that always reply with nice words and feedback it was good to actually put profile pictures to faces um yeah. and there's a few profile pictures that are emojis or bitmojis so it was a little bit hard to figure it all out but eventually after a couple of beers and a bit of talking we can start to build this online community in person it, it was great to meet everybody and um one thing that O'Carolans did really well was a provide Quinns fans with a little bit of a discount, but B they were very hospitable, as you say, and they actually played the mighty Quinn Manfred man. Yeah, we all sung good. along to it and it was just a really nice atmosphere to be in. It was very much a home away from home. So that was one of uh, my main highlights for the trip was, was a few stories and experiences in that pub. Mate, it was, it was class. Loved every, loved every minute of it. Okay. So moving away from the pub and, and down to the stadium, as a ground, it's spectacular, really, isn't it? It's incredibly steep seats, but it, what that creates is a bit of a sort of coliseum, bear fight kind of arena where you, you're down looking on top of the players. You're very close to the pitch. State-of-the-art, modern ground. All of the stands are named after different iconic rugby stadiums as well. So we were in the yeah, Indian Park strange, stand. isn't it? Um, we weren't in the Twickenham stand, which would have been fate. Um, yeah. They had the sunshine. I don't know how much of a view they got, sort of being blinded for... 70 of the 80 minutes i think but talk to me about the the ongoings around the ground before we even get in there and, and talk to me about your hot dog experience because i know that was a oh, pleasurable one for you hot dogs my word um it was weird because we obviously got the tram down there and we had a bit of a palaver with tram tickets and had to go up one stop then we got on the wrong side of the road then we had to jump off and buy tickets then get there then we had a 20 minute walk up the road in sort of it was starting to be quite a hot part of the day. Um, I had a lovely chat with um, Hugh Tizos' parents as well um, on the way up there. That was oh, pretty course, cool. Yeah. Really, 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 really nice. That was really nice, yeah. That and was then, good because um, um, it felt like we'd taken a bit of a backstreet route to the ground. We, yeah, got off, got, we got off two stops early on the tram because it was about the same walk, just from a different area. And um, it was nice to A, come across Quinn's fans and then B, find out it was actually Hugh Tizos' parents. So yeah, good to, good to start to make more connections in that space as well. We end obviously get into the ground, <laughs> and me and you obviously had that. We had that sort of roadside burger at about two in the morning that we had to sort of knock on someone's door and say, "Oh, it's two in the morning. I know it's a Saturday night. Do you mind feeding us? We're starving. We're not eating. We've been here. Poor old Uncle Nick hadn't eaten anything on the shores of Montpellier until the <laughs> sort of lunchtime. We get in the ground. First thing we need is like, right, let's go and get a drink. And I will never complain about the queues in the stoop again because oh my god it was so poorly organized which is the only negative i have literally yeah. the only negative it was so poorly organized that some you know poor fella churning out hot dogs in the side of a van we were stood there for 45 minutes waiting for these hot dogs in the sunshine just slowly sort yeah. of withering and dehydrating yeah 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 and i couldn't i had a bottle of water but they can't serve you the water with the cap on so we're just balancing things in your hands and obviously we had flags and you know all sorts in our hands it was a nightmare so we ended up dividing and conquering you did the beers i did the hot dogs i um i got stuffed with the beers because the, the a the round was ridiculously expensive because it was three jugs and yeah. for anyone that's really good at maths it won't take long to figure out that i don't have three hands <laughs> and three jugs is a hell of an effort so i managed well, to I, made, I managed to carry six hot dogs with between my two oh, hands. i mean that's completely <laughs> different they don't even weigh the same but um a nice quinn's fan came up to me and, and clearly saw that i was struggling and struggling i was still hung over as well I'm, yeah struggling in more senses than one i yeah. couldn't carry the jugs and i was in a bad way still and yeah, I, you, my took brain, a bit of, you took 
took a little bit of warming up on the on the sun. Didn't yeah, you? my brain it. just couldn't figure out how best to carry these three jugs and like how to come to a solution. And he could see me sort of flapping a bit and came over and actually carried one of the jugs all the way to my seat, which took about five, ten minutes to get to. So yeah. hats off to him. I didn't catch his net. I think maybe it was Mike actually, but um I, I might have got that wrong. But yeah, that was a nice little gesture that helped me out massively in my time of yeah. need. In that little area as well, just sort of in the sort of stadium experience. It was so nice how the Montpellier bus stopped on the main road. And yeah. then the fans create this tunnel and the band sort of leads them down. The players follow in and you've got the flags waving. Quinns did a brilliant job at giving all the Montpellier kids Quinns flags, actually. So yeah. we managed to hijack that a little bit. Um, but our boys went in the back entrance. So I don't know why or don't know if they just wanted to get in and focus. But um, I'd have loved to have made a little bit of a noise for them because that's why we tried to get down there early, wasn't it? Yeah, we did try and do that, sort of create that European atmosphere. We should have had some, like flares on either side of the road yeah. and try but we to get had that anyway that, but... we just didn't have the yeah. players there for it because we were, <laughs> yeah, we were mingling with all the Montpellier fans we obviously had our brand new two woods four yeah. quarters flag and everybody was having photos with it we were having photos with Quinn's fans we were having photos with Montpellier fans a real mixture of people who were just there and really loving their rugby in the sunshine in Montpellier on a, a nice little away day so the atmosphere is brilliant. You had live music going on. You had everyone with a smile on their face. It felt like a real big cup match. And it was. Yeah. And as soon as we get in and, and that little, I'm going to call it the southwest corner because for anyone yeah. who wasn't there, just picture the southwest corner at the stoop. It was like that, but probably half the size and well, twice as less, busy. Less, so... less, less, less than half for sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah busy, it was but... small, but it was, it was good. It was intimate and there was lots of conversations with people and they had a great indoor bar underneath the stand. That you yeah, that was good out. fun and you'd be pitch side so the bottom tier of the stadium didn't actually have any seats it was just bars and you could walk out and stand next to the pitch obviously behind the fencing um which i thought was an interesting kind of development for a, a stadium i think it's not too much bigger than the stoop um so they could easily increase their capacity if they wanted to put a few seats down the bottom but as a ground it's probably one of the best i've been to and we talked about the stadium plans for the stoop last week and we actually spoke to Laurie in the pub about it and we said we kind of expected a, an increased capacity given we're selling out every week and then we kind of realized that actually you've got a sellout every week the, the experience isn't the best it can be improve that first and then more fans will follow you can increase the capacity and i was sat there looking around the ground thinking wow, what would i do with the stoop how would I make this better? And I just think you've got to fill in those corners. You've got to make it a dome. You've got to make it a bit of a cauldron, really echo around and get the fans in and make sure that you're filling all of those gaps because I, I really loved it. I thought it was a great place. It was even better once you actually got in your seat as well because, like you said, the stands are so sort of steep and the seats don't come up to your knees where they normally do. So if you trip and fall, you're oh, going to fall yeah. on, on top of people. And obviously people are carrying beers up and they're very, very steep banks and you're like that. But I yeah, had to, we to apologise for hugging about three people on my way past because if I didn't hug them, I'd be <laughs> falling down from the second tier probably onto the pitch. It was that, that steep and directly above it. But no, once we actually sat down and the sun started shining, it was wicked. And obviously we were right in the mixer with all of our fans. There was two big blocks of us. We were in the sort of less south, you know, the... the one corner of the main stand, the other big block of Quinza fans were in the, sort of the other side. You can see all the flags up there. That was quite cool. And then obviously a few just dotted around. But yeah, once we actually got in the seats, food in, beers in, sun out, everything then sort of settled us down. We were My hangover just disappeared. Yeah, it did almost With every bite of that hot dog and a bit yeah. of excitement as the boys were warming yeah. up and the music starts to play. I was, yeah, I was ready to go. 
the moment I think I said to you, well, there was a couple of guys sat, sat next to us who kept saying, oh, how are you? Good to see you boys here. Blah, blah, blah. Really nice. And I said, look, I will apologise in advance for my noise during the game. I'm not going to be noisy just for the next three or four minutes. I've just got to get these hot dogs in me and then I'm going to start getting nice and loud. But yeah, it was class. But once the uh, once we then reached kickoff, it was a little bit quiet for 40 odd minutes, but we ended up getting back. Should we talk about the first half? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying now. We um we did take a, a few hammer blows, didn't we? But I still think yeah. we've made loads of noise. We, we yeah, very much yeah. took the Barmy Army approach of support through thick and thin. And with every point that we conceded, we needed to get a little bit louder. So we went for it. It was good. Um, my verdict, we, for the majority, were probably the better team. Yeah, I think in the opening 15 minutes, we were dominant. We had the ball. We were playing in the right areas. But we just couldn't convert that dominance into points. And it reminded me of when we played Bath away earlier in the season. And we had that dominance at the start of the game. And we couldn't take anything away from it. And that proved to be costly. And the same thing happened this time. I think my um, my overriding thoughts for it were, and maybe it was to do with some of the heat, but they just look so well set up defensively. We really, really struggled to break them down. And although we actually had in that sort of 10-minute period when we were attacking, we had a couple of knock-ons that, or just passes that didn't quite go to hand. A yeah, couple three of, or four, wasn't there? If Mars takes of... that one, he's, he's in for the try. But yeah. apparently watching it on, on review, it was more of the pass from Danny as opposed to the, the take from March. But... Yeah, those were it killer was just, blows. It was just little bits of inaccuracy. Um, but then obviously we were playing a, a very, very good side who took the chances that they had so well. I mean, Zach Mercer was incredible. And, you know, they kicked well. And every time we seemed to have a little bit of momentum, a little bit of, you know, just right, something's about to spark into life, we'd have a turnover, they'd kick, and then they'd just regain all that territory and all that possession and also their first try comes from us being a little bit over-adventurous. Marcus was not a particularly, uh, well, maybe more speculative than, um, than accurate with his crossfield kick. And then they uh, go um, get the opening score. He's not looked like the same player since coming back from England. I'd have thought he'd come back full of confidence, great experience, probably far better skill set-wise than, than he'd ever have experienced from a training camp. And he just looks a little bit, not off the pace, but he's not as sharp as he used to be. His decision those making is those, um, quite on those the mark. Ni- it's those Nike boots, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, his kicking's <laughs> been been slightly off as well. So, I wonder if um, there's any kind of psychological review that comes out of an England training camp because I know he doesn't get to play the way he wants to play. I know he's got not got the leadership role there that he does with Quinn. So, I, I just wonder if he needs a little bit more time to acclimatise and and maybe this is the time where we see how much he can handle the pressure because he handled it really well in the Six Nations. He's handled it so well for Quinns with those last gasp kicks. Now it's kind of, right, we want to go back to back. We want to do something that we've never done before. We want to go and win as many games in this running and he needs to steer the ship for us. We want to go as deep in Europe as possible. And maybe this is the time we really see what he's made of. Um, so I really hope this Saturday he, he comes out and, and shuts a lot of people up, myself included, because he'll be the first to admit he's, he's slightly off his game, but we know what he can do and we know he'll be back. But yeah, that first kick, if we move into the sort of second period of the game now on that second 20-minute yeah. window, this was our horror show. This is where we lost the game. We we try and force an exit with a little crossfield kick from Marcus there and it, it doesn't go to plan and, and they've got a walk-in and all of a sudden they've converted... 15 20 minutes of defense into seven points through nothing, a little bit like us at London Irish the week before, which I remember you saying as well. 
yeah, just seem to play ourselves into a little bit of well, play ourselves into a little bit of trouble. But the problem is, is that they were just so well equipped to counter counter it. Zach Mercer looked unbelievable. Obviously, Kobus Reinax were a really brilliant player. Breakaway try, and you know they had obviously scored twice as well when Andre went off um, with his yellow cards. Not sure how I feel about that yellow card. It's a sort of similar one we saw with Danny. You know, there's a player going to make a tackle, but you know, the ball hits the hand, it's an arm out, you know, etc. But they scored twice in that period where we were down to 14. Yeah. And at that stage, we were 26 0 down at half time, still with a man in the bin. Then they scored again. Just before we move into that second half, the, the first couple of tries come from mistakes with the Marcus kick and then March yeah. slip making a tackle. So it just shows at this level, every single error is so costly. You've got to be on your game to a T. You've got to be so watertight as a group. They made a couple of fairly straightforward line breaks when we went down to 14 players. So it felt like there was a few players out of position or we were scrambling a little bit too much and they could smell blood and they capitalised. So... It just goes to show if we hadn't made those mistakes, and I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but those are two tries that could have been avoided. And we're looking at a level playing field again at a score draw. So I'll tell you what though, we looked absolutely cooked at half time. We did. We looked really, we looked, really unfit. We looked, we looked fried. We looked I think it's out on our feet. Probably just I'll I'd probably put it down to not having played in, you know, 17, 18 degrees for a while. Dry underfoot, hot underfoot. But these are all the things that we say we want to play. Yeah, with. I, 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 I suppose there's, they are Quinn's conditions. But then you're playing the side that are playing the top fourteen, who are at the top of the top fourteen, and yeah, you know, at their physical place. side at their place. What I will maybe, say though is, after half time, they've just had fifteen minutes to re-energize and relax and reset, yeah. and they just come out and score in the first two minutes. It's that's that's a psychological thing as opposed to a, an ability maybe. thing. Maybe. So. That one was probably one that they worked hard for because they came out two minutes, put the foot down and, and killed the game completely because after that, it really was game over, potentially the tie. If we can get within 14, we've got a shot. Unfortunately, the, the way the rest of the second half panned out, it was all one-way traffic with Quinns, wasn't it, bar the old penalty? There was a moment after they scored, just after half time, we still were down to 14. I looked at the scoreboard and it was 34-0. And I've gone, oh my God, yeah. this is this has not been the way they debut that I dreamed about. Um, the banter in the still... stand starts coming from the French fans. And, yeah, and then we get a, a try and we start giving it back a little bit, saying, oh, here <laughs> we go, the comeback's on. It's coming. There's a few Bristan Bull chants that started to come out yeah. as well, which was good fun. So I think we've given ourselves a real chance because we've seen Montpellier get obliterated by Leinster away. We've seen them get decimated by Exeter away. French teams don't always travel well. And I know that's a cliche and it's the Champions Cup and they're top of the top 14 and it probably means absolutely nothing, but it does give us a bit of hope. And one thing that stood out to me, not fast tracking through the game, we'll come back to it, but one thing that stood out to me with, with hope is that the players after the game all came over and looked really fucked off by it. They looked really angry and disappointed. Joe Marler was pointing at the scoreboard and sort of wagging his finger like, we're going to fix this. All the interviews after the game with Liner and Hammond were saying, we're disappointed. We we, sh- we should have got something more from this game. We could have even taken a lead. Next week, we'll do, do it justice. Everybody's confident. Danny Cares put out on Instagram saying, can't wait for the comeback, all of this kind of stuff. So... The boys believe, the fans believe. I think 
a Saturday afternoon kickoff at the Stoop. 14 points. It gives it something else, doesn't it? It's an exciting clash. Yeah. I um, I sort of... You read that sort of stuff and it's, it's, it's a very stereotypical thing. Oh, well, we're disappointed. We'll fix it next week. Cheers to support. But actually, when you see the players' reactions live and you see what it means to them and you can sort of see that side of frustration and then you know they come over and you know, give us all a big clap which we absolutely love and there are, there are those little touches of Marla pointing to the scoreboard and wagging his finger and going do you know what we know we weren't completely at our best in that first 40 which lost us the game but we're in a position now where actually we believe that we can go and do it and actually I think a lot of them would really really mean that and I don't think you know there's anything that will stop us next week if we play 80 minutes worth of proper rugby and we match up physically. We had him at scrum time for the majority of it. While we scrum did. was in really, yeah, really good did. shape. Set piece with a couple of line-out issues here and there. But that's been, you know... We, a, we a probably deserved team. a little bit more from the scrum, actually. We probably deserved more penalties than we got. And I don't yeah. think the props were spoken too much from the ref. So I think the, the lads worked hard in that space. And hopefully we double down on that next week. Yeah, that will fill us with a lot of confidence, won't it? Give us that front football. Give us that stability. Give us that platform. Because um, that was... Where we were going from... If the, if the scrum starts going reverse and we start losing those sort of big game line collisions, then your heart really does start to sink. Well, Actually, yeah, that wasn't the, the I case. think the key element of that and what's so interesting about the two legs now is if we if that does happen, they're just taking three every time and yeah. it, it becomes an impossible task for us because they're killing a minute of the clock every time. They're taking this yeah. thing out of the game. They've gotten up, they've got the upper hand in the set piece and they're knocking three over every single time like they did towards the end. And, and maybe that's a good, good segue into the the next point of the match is the, the few penalties they got. What do you reckon? Does that sort of take it a little bit too far out of our reach? Because that last kick of the game to take it to a 14 point lead, I think makes it really interesting. And obviously yeah. the, round, the round numbers of rugby are seven points for tries and it's just two tries. And I could quite easily see us win by two tries and it goes to extra time and then potentially a place kicking competition. So if, if they didn't get that kick and only had 11, I, I, we obviously it looks far more appealing for us and, two tries and we've won what's your what's your take because I think we disagreed was, at the stadium you think we should have kicked it off uh, I don't no I don't I don't quite know how I feel about it obviously the hindsight's the easy thing but the sort of the, the way I I, I I could sort of you know picture it when you're playing cricket if you bowl a side out for 199 you some for some reason you feel way better than if you bowl them out for 200 it's that mental sort of barrier 100 yeah, percent 40, 37, it's not massive, but yeah, that, that kick at the end, you know, I just, we're camped right in our own half and we're all jumping around and screaming and shouting, saying, let's get another one, let's get another one, let's get another one, one more try. But, you know, it's, your heart again just sank a little bit when penalty goes up and um, I think it was Pollard or Garbrisi that kicked the last one. I can't remember, but yeah, for 40, 37 just feels a little bit, not quite as comfy, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not huge. I I don't think we would have kicked it off. Um, no, if I, I don't think we would have either. I, I wouldn't want to kick it off if I was a player. Um, no. I think if you ever kick the ball off the pitch when you're losing, it's, it's defeatist. It's sort of yeah. resigning to, to the result, which maybe more psychologically going into next week is another win for them. Um, and I also think we were we were on top. We'd had a few breakaway tries through Liner, and we had another opportunity where it went out wide to him and he, he took the contact instead because I think he took a, a, a knock or he tweaked a hammy or something in that run-in. 
another player in that position who hadn't picked up that hammy might have fancied going down the wing and who knows what happens there when you've got Marchant in support who did that for one of his earlier tries, which Liner set up. So I think we, we know we can score from anywhere. I think the reward of getting seven points and getting closer to them is worth the risk of conceding three. Obviously, that didn't I, work in our favour and we conceded. The yeah. three, I think it was worth the risk of keeping the ball in because the reward would, would have been great. I agree with the mentality of it. And it, also, it is a little bit defeatist, but there will see you don't play in the games every week and where there are those ramifications around points, you know. So, yeah, double-edged sword. But have I said during the week, didn't in that interview, that we're not going to change our DNA. We're going to continue to play our way and that obviously you know, falls in that bracket. So, you know, it's one of them. But... I was just so pleased we actually got some moments in the second half to actually really, really enjoy. I remember saying to my dad, yeah, I came yeah out, that was needed, wasn't it? Because the, oh, the way so much. I've done recently with Cast and, and Arjun, yeah. we, we've obviously won both of them and the night out's brilliant. And we had quite a lot to cheer about. And for 40 minutes, we had nothing to cheer about apart from the fact we were all sat together making loads of noise, having a good, good time, sort of yeah. as an away day as opposed to anything on the pitch. And to be rewarded by the boys with four tries in the second half was, yeah, I'm so glad we got that moment. I remember um, saying to dads before I came out, because obviously we did United away with Brighton earlier in the year. And even though we lost the game, you just want to have that one moment where we score and it's just limbs in the away ends. Yeah. And sort of, you know, 46, 47, 48, 50 minutes into the game, I'm sitting there going, oh, we need to get one. But, just but also the hope we got. About. That's why the Bristol Bull chance started coming. I know, I know. Get four tries and they've not put one on us since the 41st minute. We're thinking, okay. I know, I know. The momentum has completely changed. There's a couple of quick successions as well, wasn't it? So you you just think, you know, is there any sort of sniff? Is there a chance for... I don't know. If you bought a ticket in that Murrayfield stand down that far end, you definitely got your money's worth, didn't you? All the tries are down there by one or two, so... Yeah, 100%. They uh, they had a good day only one we got in front of us was the um, front, 41st minute, wasn't it? Bar- barreling over from a yard out. That was a bit, un- bit unfortunate. But no, it was um, it was good. And we had we had some great moments just in that second half. You know, Lewis's intercept and breakaway try with March and obviously Andre going over from the, the quick tap as well. We had some good moments and actually, you know, gave us plenty, plenty to sing and plenty to shout about. And also that meant a lot, just not only to the fans, but to the players in terms of looking forward to the next week as well. Yeah, and looking forward to next week. I actually had a chat with Andre Esterhazen after the game because last, we week, last <laughs> week we um because last week we invited on some challenges for for when we're out in Montpellier. And one of them was to try and get another corner flag, um, which is a tradition that we started in cast. And I thought it was going to be quite straightforward because in France I've been able to get on the pitch twice. There's never any security, but this stadium was state of the art, brand new security everywhere, fences everywhere. And I was thinking, Christ, how am I going to get this job done? People are relying on me for this flag. So I wander around the pitch all the way around to the opposite side of the stadium because I can see Andre there talking to his family. And I get there just as he's about to go back down the tunnel and I grab him and, and have a chat with him for a little bit. And um, the purpose of going around was because I needed him to get me the flag because I was never going to be able to get on the pitch. So he wandered over to the corner for me, sort of collects the flag and brings it over. And we have a little bit of a chat and... I talked to him about what he thinks we'll do this weekend. He said, look, we've, we've always got a chance. Um, we're disappointed. We're 14 behind. But next week, we can reverse that. No problem. We're, we're looking forward to the challenge. Very PR, actually. But um, yeah. he's he's a really lovely bloke. You can tell. A bit like Taolani. He's very family and ori- very family orientated. Quite quiet, but also quite warm to speak to. And um, he, <laughs> he was a little bit like, why am I getting you this flag? 
Yeah, and I, I took know. the top of it and I had to make this long walk all the way back around the stadium, which was obviously going to be like me walking on eggshells, trying not to get caught. And I make it round just one corner of the pitch and there's three French security guards all stood there waiting for me like, you can't take that flag, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, should, oh, but the, stuff the player to... gave it to me. The player gave it to me. And they were like, nope, that's the player's mistake. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. go say that to Andre Esterhazy. <laughs> should have um, should have stuffed Danny trousers and tried to do a runner. <laughs> yeah, but no, I just it was um, the uh, it was a little bit more high tech, high security than your previous mm. away trips, wasn't it? There was a little bit more um, a little bit more manpower or uh, a little bit more horsepower in terms of keeping people off the grounds. But yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? And then what else do we do? I mean, in terms of challenges. Um, I had set myself a couple of challenges and some sort of I just wanted to have a couple of delicious glasses of wine. So we went um had a nice dinner in the square afterwards, didn't we? Which had a, had a proper steak dinner and I had a couple of glasses of rose and then me and your old man polished off a bottle of red wine between us as well. Yeah, nice little end to the trip that wasn't it. And yeah. looking ahead to this weekend then. What what happens now? We've never had to like what what how do we view this game as fans? How do we view it as players? Are we going full bore? Let we can go and turn fourteen points around, or are we having an element of realism? We've got less of the week after. This is probably a bit of a long shot. Do we rest a few and, and just go full whack for the league and, and concentrate on that? What do Montpellier do? Do they think, all right, we've got a fourteen point lead, we're top of the top fourteen, we want to win our league as well. We'll send a sort of slightly weakened team out so we can save our boys for our domestic league. What do they do? It's so strange, isn't it? It'll be fascinating to see what happens. But what I come back to is, it's the Champions Cup. Yeah. It's, it's the last 16. You're you're in the knockouts. It's knockout rugby. Put your best teams out. Well, we've spent long enough trying to get to this stage, haven't we? And be within a, you know, in a realistic position to actually go and go further in, in the competition. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens in terms of team selection. Obviously, I don't know their sort of squad, you know, to the same level that we know ours, but you know we can obviously cross reference this week and see. Oh, they've changed this, they've changed this. I wonder whether Hondre Pollard might actually um, uh, yeah. start obviously after his return. Not a bad person to bring off the bench. Having said that, he didn't really do a lot in the second half. It's when we nah, were I mean, riot, so a, I wouldn't mind that. Of, no, maybe not. Maybe a little bit rusty. Him proper yeah, Andre running and, down his channel. Yeah, I'd, welcome back. Nice, nice to see another South African rip another South African's head off, but obviously in the, in, in the right way for us. But yeah, I don't know, and I wonder how the game goes. I wonder whether. And you know, I think it'll be the same as what we did, or the same game plan that we had before this leg. You know, we'll play our own way and we'll try and win the game it's in our style, now, isn't it? But the, but the difference is, if we do that and we get parity, and then the game starts becoming a little bit more sort of close, maybe not on the to, on the sort of live scoreboard, but on the aggregate score, does that game of cat and mouse then start where people are kicking yeah. penalties? And, yeah, I think so. You know, I the, think we've the, got to start the, taking some penalties. And the scrum battle is going to be so huge next week, isn't it? You know, if we have a penalty 25 yards out in the middle of the pitch. We're not, and it's tight on the scoreboard. Are we going to be calling for scrum penalties and trying to, you know, that sort of thing? I don't know. We'll have to see just how all that plays out. It's going to be really interesting to see how it, how it, how it plays out. And I can't quite, I can't, you know, I can't picture how it's going to go in my head. I haven't got a clear idea of it. It's such a new experience having this double aggregate scoring system with, yeah, you know, everything that comes with it. So yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Well, interestingly, obviously, it's Tuesday, Wednesday. It'll be Tuesday when this comes out. Some of you might listen to it on Wednesday. It's the Champions League fixtures tonight in the knockouts. And yeah. they obviously do the two legs aggregates. And it feels a little bit like Chelsea going away to Real Madrid 
they could do yeah. them 2-0. That's like not out of the question. It feels relatively similar to that. We could beat them by two tries. So it's it's not out of the question. It just gives it a different dynamic. And I know you mentioned hindsight is a, a wonderful thing, but we turned down three shots at goal in the opening 15 minutes because we want to go for the score. Yeah, we did. Take all three yeah. of them. We were only five points behind in a, in a deficit now. I, th- I think there is a lot of value in kicking when it's this kind of structure. And if we can get through this week and, and get those 15 points to win the game, we've got a home quarter final. And that's big for the club as well, isn't it? That's a, that's a, that's a huge thing for the club to be a part of having a home quarter final in the, in the Champions Cup. You know, another chance to sell out the stoop ticket revenue and all the you know extras that come with it. So I think they'll be wanting to push for it, not just from the playing sense, but also from a commercial standpoint. We need to be in these competitions doing the right thing. So I think that'll be, you know, 1A, let's beat them, make sure it's by north of 14 as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where we'll, um, we'll leave the game. And it was, you know, it was an unbelievable day. It was an unbelievable weekend. My first European away trip, you obviously... Uh, a veteran in the game now these trips so you've you've done a few so is your old man and we were it was brilliant mate. I absolutely loved it so here's a question for you then aside from the rugby and off the pitch what was your one or two highlights from the, from the weekend <laughs> well, it, well it definitely wasn't the rugby so you don't need to no, say yeah, so well, maybe not yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the, in doses in doses um, for me the best thing about these away days are those nights you have in the pub with all the other fans who were there to have a really good time all from different parts of the country as well, it seems. People come from far and wide and and a lot of people see this as an opportunity to go and follow Quinns in, in numbers and make a lot of noise and we've got great travelling support. There was um there was a person there, I didn't catch his name, t- with his family, a couple of um young kids as well. He took out there from their, their skiing holiday. They just came oh, over yeah. from Switzerland or something because it, was, it wasn't too far for them. So people do come and travel for these, mo- these moments because they are special. And being in that pub in O'Carolans with with the likes of the club captain, Steph, the CEO, Laurie, and then all of the fans we speak to on a weekly, probably daily basis. That was special. You got That's that's as good as it gets. That's what rugby is about. And for me, that was my highlight, hands down, not even close to anything else. Mine was pretty, mine was obviously, you know, along the same lines. But actually one thing that I really, really, really enjoyed after the game, we'd obviously had a chat and we talked to everyone and it's so much fun and it's so good just being in that atmosphere and being involved with everybody. But actually the three of us, me, you and your old man, hadn't spent a little bit of time just together for a little bit of it. So we went downstairs, we got three jugs of beer, three cups and we went and just sat oh, in the stadium yeah. Yeah. and it was quiet as anything. All, all the noise you could see here out the back. Yeah, this was, was after the re- game, just so people know. After, after the, game, the game, we just collected some jugs and went back up into the stand when it was completely empty and just had an hour to ourselves really to soak yeah. up. It's amazing stadium in the glorious sunshine, blue skies, couple of beers, nice little family moment. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was, that nice. was aside from O'Carolans and drinking shots of Jet Twenty Seven with a uh, with the captain. I think that was my uh, my highlight for the weekend. Just me. That was that was just cool, wasn't it? That it was, was so cool. Me, you, me, you, and my uncle just sitting there with a couple of beers, enjoying it. Yeah, it was yeah, great. I'm um I'm the host this week, aren't I? So I better move the the agenda on before we we push for time, particularly as it's getting to ten o'clock on a. Monday night and I've had very little sleep or water. <laughs> um, I feel like I've caught caught the sun, you know. Just looking yeah, at myself on Zoom here. I've got a bit of colour, haven't I? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um, okay. Bit of news from last week. Also, shock you're looking at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> Not the mirror, in the Zoom oh, camera. You know I, meant. I can see you as well. Um, yeah, bit of news from last week. You 
you ditched me, mate. You went on another podcast. Talk to me. Oh, yeah, I did. Sorry, mate. I know. Well, uh, we got invited to make an appearance on Lawrence Delalio's podcast. And as it sort of fell in a time where um, I've been on Easter holidays from school, I had a bit of time. So, yeah, it was the day after we had Brent, uh, London Irish way at Brentford. So I was a little bit hungover. Lawrence Delalio actually wasn't hosting it because he was away. So... Um, the wonderful Sarah Elgin steps in as guest host. Uh, she follows the podcast me. now, so you obviously made yeah, a good she impression. Does. Well, I hope so. Um, I have listened to it back. I hope it came out okay. I hope everyone can sound out how hard. Uh, mate, I actually thought you were brilliant. I thought you came across really well, and I thought well, everything you were people... saying was was spot on. I don't often agree with you about I... everything, but you know it. <laughs> just hoping people don't see how hungover I was. But yeah, it was me, Sarah Elgin, Bain Kay and Will McPherson, who is a reporter from the Evening Standard that covers a lot of rugby and cricket. He just spent three weeks out in the Caribbean doing the test, out, test series. So yeah, pretty good gig for him. Sarah was really nice and Bain Kay's... It was quite cool actually just to sit there and listen to him talking about it. Yeah. But no, it was, it was sick, mate. Enjoyed it. Hopefully it came out okay as well. Yeah, no, good good job. I th- I'll let you take this one after my little BBC Radio Leicester appearance earlier yeah. in the year for, for the away game we had up there. But um, no, I thought you did top job, mate. Top job. Pretty I quite liked that. how those was 30 minutes as well. I managed to listen to it fairly fairly quickly. It was really Yeah. It was obviously, um, obviously quick fire. They just review all the games from the week. For anyone that hasn't heard it, go give it a listen. It, it's pretty quick to, to get through and, and Mike's involved from start to finish. So um, it's, it's a good listen. Sticking in the realms of, of media and, um, and content, there's going to be a, a Harlequin's Amazon Prime documentary directed by Beno Urbano. It's called Prep to Win. Beno Urbano, the bath prop, by the way. So a passion for, for creative directing. He's, he's done a few bits before, and, and this is one that he's led. So it's quite interesting how he's done it on Harlequins. I think last year was such a fairy tale. It was difficult not to get caught up in it. But the boys have got behind it, all sharing it to their socials. The, the trailer looks wicked. And I think it's only natural that we start talking about the likes of Drive to Survive and what that did for Formula One. Yeah. Fairly significant rugby social media accounts like Rugby Inside Line who have got a, a good amount of followers are, are desperate for there to be one in rugby and, and I think we've got it I think this is it so I don't know if you've seen the trailer I don't know if you know much about it there's one little bit of juicy gossip I've got is I've known about this for a little while now because Benno slid into my DMs and, and asked if he could use a couple of lines from the podcast so I'm not sure what lines exactly yeah i wasn't sure either but um but i'm looking forward to to seeing our little cameo in it um you know when you watch the amazon prime documentaries and it on the side of the screen it comes up with someone's face and a this and a that imagine if we get our faces it won't be that it's just a little audio audio extract but um i think we might be in the credits well that'd be sweet that would be Um, sweet what what are we saying is it a little two three part series no i think it's just a, a sort of Bulk documentary, all in one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Not really sure, to be honest, but um, I'm sure we'll find out more over the next few weeks. And once that's live, it'd be great. Maybe we'll try and reach out to Benno again and and try and get him on it to talk about it in a little bit more detail. Yeah, that'd be sick, actually. I think we should do that. Yeah, I think it'd be fascinating to find out how he's done it and and what made him do it and how how he's got access to various different clips and content and all the the behind-the-scenes stuff with, with a professional rugby player, first of all, but also somebody who's got got great ambition to go do something big in the media world particularly with rugby so looking forward to watching that and and we'll see where that takes us well you can nose off about sort of creating content and all that sort of stuff maybe i can talk to him about maybe i can talk to him about pubs and bars so you'll find some common ground (laughs) 
works for me. I'm sure it'll work for yeah. me as well. Anyway, that's where we'll leave it. It's been it's been fun doing this actually. I I really thought I'd get home and think, you know what, fuck it, I just need to get to bed. So <laughs> I've I've now reached that stage about one hour later. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. For anybody that we saw out in Montpellier this weekend, thank you for making it such a big trip. Um, we love doing these trips. We love seeing everybody at the podcast. You inflate our egos massively every single week. And to have a thousand of you listening to this right now is, is incredibly cool. Um, and for those that we've got to share a pint with and celebrate our award, those moments are special. So, big thank you. Let's get down to the stupid on numbers as well. There's a lot to play for. There could be some history made up the course. Well done, everyone. Cheers for a brilliant weekend. Come on, you quins. <laughs>